0: Welcome to another episode of Saying the Tone, an ER retrospective, the show where we do a chronological breakdown of every episode of our favorite TV medical drama. My name is Elizabeth, and joining me today, as always, are Lauren. Hello! And Daniel. Hey! Today we'll be discussing Season 3, Episode 18, which is titled you bet your life. The episode aired on April 17th, 1997. Lauren, what was going on that week 24 years ago?
1: Well, AOL begins service in Japan, and boy, do we still miss the AOL instant messenger.
0: The original subtweeting. So good. By by putting emo song lyrics for your crush in the in your away message.
1: How much did you two customize the font of your away messages and everything? Oh,
2: at, all the time. See, I did not, because I was a
1: straight white male, so. Oh. That, this, I, I barely
2: knew what I was doing. So. That should have been my
0: first cue of knowing this. <laughs> <laughs> was that I customized my AOL messages. Uh, Damn you,
1: how didn't I know? So many signs were missed, sweetie. Um, uh. Anaconda debuts and narrowly beats out Liar Liar for the box office crown this week. And Can't Nobody Hold Me Down by Puff Daddy featuring Maze continues its run atop the music charts. Daniel, what else was on this week?
2: at 8 p.m. we had friends checking in with the one with a chick and a duck guest starring uh, current mandalorian daddy, John Fabro.
1: All right. Uh, yeah. Uh
2: at 8:30 p.m. Susan uh, suddenly Susan had where the wild things aren't. At 9 p.m. Seinfeld uh took a week off with a rerun, and at 9:30 p.m. uh this sitcom fired up that we talked about pr- that premiered last week had its second episode uh the next day. And for this week's episode, you've got 32.1 million viewers tuning in down a couple million. I think we were at 34-ish for last week, 32.1 million for uh, this one. This week's episode is directed by Chris Chulock doing his ninth out of 43 episodes that he would do. Previous ones from this season of his that we've done include The Long Way Around and Fear of Flying. And then this episode is uh, written by Paul Manning doing his uh, penultimate episode, 14th out of 15. uh, Ones from this season that we have done of his include Night Shift, No Brain, No Gain, and Don't Ask, Don't Tell. Yeah, this is. is uh, He's got one more, I think, next season. I think this is his last one for season three. And he's got one more next season. He, I think, sticks around as a producer for a while, but doesn't do any more. Um, episode writing and uh and like we mentioned on a previous episode he does pass away and i believe 2005
0: oh i forgot about that now i'm sad they're there and uh we got a previously on this week by george clooney himself i uh, hope he's doing well with all of his batman nonsense and uh we opened the episode with rachel complaining about being late again so it sounds like mark has been doing a bang-up job with the whole single parent life um while also being, you know, while also being a doctor, and looks like so. it Looks like this is going to be more long term.
1: Yeah, because my thought was that she was just staying with him for like a couple weeks, maybe while Jen was taking care of what her dad.
2: Yeah, but her, her mom, I think.
1: Okay. Yeah. Her parent but figure. Yeah. Um. This shows how long it's been since we've recorded. Um. But <laughs> it's. 'Cause at first I was like, why is he taking her to school in Milwaukee? Then Lizzie pointed out this may have been more of a long term situation, so she may be temporarily enrolled here in Chicago.
0: Yeah. In yeah. no way Mark Green is uh, making was, a four hour round trip before a twelve hour shift.
1: That was my thought, and I thought, oh, somebody's getting fired for that blunder, but you had a much more sensible explanation for it. <laughs> I
2: don't know. Yeah, that, that is a really good point though. I did not consider that as I was watching this, but like, you know, we've because of how tertiary Jen has become as a character and by extension Rachel. We've completely glossed over the fact that they don't live in Chicago anymore. So, like, yeah, that may, that does sort of create a little bit of a plot hole, but
1: easily explained.
0: So there you go, Lauren. I sure hope someone got fired for that blunder,
1: <laughs> or they were thinking or it, what or you it was were a thinking
2: enrollment thing. But yeah, I mean, one way or another, in any event, we go from there. We find out that uh Carla went home uh the night before this episode. So. This is probably only a, a few days after the last episode because she was yeah. in the hospital last episode. So it can't have been that long. Um, but in any event, she went home last night. We find this out as Benton goes in to check on her. He then proceeds to commit, commit you know, just some some light ethics violations that would get any hospital employee in any hospital in the country fired uh as he creeps on her chart and dr coburn comes in and catches him in the act and scolds him for it super i mean even if he is the child's father he's they're not married like it's not been established in any sort of official capacity that he's the child's father he should not be accessing her medical records under any circumstances
0: so there's a good question then if he was married to Carla. In this capacity as staff, I'm assuming he probably still wouldn't have a right to look at her chart. Correct. Even if they were yeah. married?
2: I'm pretty sure, yes. Um, like, it's she, one of those he, things that, like, it, unless it is unless it's you or it's a patient that you are directly in contact with, like, you are providing care for them, their medical records are not your
1: business. And even if they were married, I think she would still have to put him on her chart as like an authorized recipient of yeah. the information so yeah. like
0: you're on my profiles as listed right. like people can share my medical information with you right. or with my parents sir or...
2: and again going back to what we've talked about in previous episodes too that a lot of this too depends on where we are in the timeline as far as HIPAA goes true um I know I know when we had talked about it in the past it was that HIPAA was in it was in the works but it wasn't officially passed yet um, yeah I didn't make we didn't make note at the time of exactly when it went into law so i i feel like it's around this time like i feel like 90s. it's
1: yeah i feel like it's late 97 if i recall yeah, so, correctly from our research So we're,
2: we're definitely he's definitely in a gray area at the absolute best uh he's under no circumstances is he right to do this uh and he only makes it worse a little bit later on so good on you Ben.
1: And he's really shitty with Coburn, too. He's like, well, I want to know, because if it's this, then it could be this. And if it's this, then it could be this. And he's, like, telling Coburn I, her own business. Like, yeah, she knows this. Tells,
2: well, no, no just, just saying that, and you know, like like Lauren said, telling her how to do her job. And then it can, goes to follow her into the women's locker room to continue his little crusade. It's just ridiculous. But what were you yeah. saying,
0: Lizzie? Uh, it was signed into law on August 21st, 1996. So Dang. depending on when this episode was written, it might not have been... When oh, they... so, yeah,
2: no, it's, no, because I don't think they were, I don't think they were writing episodes more than a couple of weeks out from filming, so I think definitely it was, it was law by this point. Okay. So, yeah, so, yeah, so, Peter definitely would have been in big, big legal trouble here, if not, you know, losing his job entirely.
1: But this is county general, there are no consequences for stuff like that, look at Mark and Jeannie. Apparently
2: not.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but speaking of Jeannie, um, Greg peeks in.
1: <laughs> what, that was a good segue.
0: Yeah. Uh, sh- now you ruined it. <laughs> but speaking of Jeannie, Greg peeks in on her uh, doing some t- doing some lab work, doing some tests. Not her own, but um, her viral load is up to one thousand, which I forgot to look up. If this is it, they Greg's makes it sound like it's not statistically significant. No, in the grand scheme of things, it's still very very low. So, but I, but I forgot to check just because I, again, I have very little experience with this. Right.
1: He makes it sound like, oh, it's just because you had a cold last week. It's likely from that it'll go back down to undetectable within like a week.
0: Yeah. Like, like her immune system was a little bit redirected for a few days. So yeah, her viral load might jump up a little bit, but again, don't, I'm not super familiar with the specifics, but um. But it's her nine. It's Jeanie's nine-year "quote unquote" anniversary since they're divorced now. At this point, uh, with Al and Greg proposes that they christen this as the new anniversary of their first weekend getaway, which is adorable.
1: Trying to be sweet, trying to make the best out of a shitty situation.
0: Good on you, Obama.
1: Yeah. And then we go in with some bangs. We go in and just some little admit desks shenanigans this episode that this is, uh, this is a peak D plot. This episode, um, we find out Malik is really jealous of the car Jerry is leasing. And he's like, how the hell are you affording that? Um, we'll find out. Uh, Mark missed his attending meeting and he's like, ah, shit. And then Anspa comes around the corner and says, Oh, don't worry about missing the meeting. But you know, regarding the teaching position, against you and carrie you're the better candidate but carrie's published more mark was like oh i thought she was going for the research position answell says yeah well this is her fallback and says like oh you better find an interesting case soon to publish because you know you gotta look good don't make me look stupid for referring you
0: yeah because mark is more of a people person according to him so which
1: yeah yes very true absolutely
0: now we go from there uh, over to Doug He goes in the treatment room and finds Carol Doing the quintessential Lizzie thing of beating herself up So let's listen in Damn
2: it Damn it Damn it
3: Carol? What are you doing? We just read the Harrison's internal medicine What are you doing? I'm checking the rate of oxidative metabolism and hypothyroidism This is important to you? It was on the medical board exam I put above normal, the is below normal Every
1: day I think of another test question, and when I go to look it up, I find out I got it wrong. I'm sure you did fine. No, Doug. I've looked up maybe 30 questions, all of which I missed. I did not do fine, okay? Okay,
3: all right. You're right. But you do things for people that
1: doctors don't even think about doing. Carol, this guy in the hall needs a clean-up.
3: He
2: just did a major code brown. You're right. I wipe butts and take orders from 25-year-old interns. Ah, code brown—the universal code, the one, that, the one code that is exactly the same in every profession, regardless of whether you work in a hospital or not. Everyone knows what a code brown is. I, I feel like everyone knows what a code blue is too, but yeah. But I mean, I, there, I feel like there could be a a bit of deviation, possibly. But everyone's code blue is usually cardiac emergency. Okay.
1: But. Yeah. I I want to point out that this episode is the first return to the Doyle and Carol um animosity that we've had in a while yeah they'd been getting along pretty yeah. well Doyle's
0: a like, prick in this
2: episode yeah they crank it up to like 11 in this episode yeah. too. like it goes from like they did it wasn't even like they were getting along it was just like they weren't interacting period they were just away from each other and now it's like we're just gonna pick a fight it's it's weird of course yeah. my
0: my brain my stupid 2020 brain went to went 2021 brain whoa yeah wow. <laughs> 2021 yeah um was like, oh, they're just trying to make us hate the queer character. Yeah, yada, yeah. That that makes no goddamn sense.
1: What about the queer character?
0: They're mitra- they're just trying to make us hate the queer character.
1: Yeah, that one doesn't make sense. Exactly. Yeah, yeah.
2: it doesn't really. I that's mean,
1: that's maybe like sucks me with independent or
2: I know, queer status. I know.
1: That's like me projecting all the fat phobia onto these scenes when you guys have to call me out and be like, nah, they're not really doing that." Yeah, more. I didn't
0: say it made sense. I'm just saying that's where my brain went initially. And I was like, no, she's just a prick.
1: Also, Lizzie, don't <laughs> let me do this to myself when I sit for my CPA exam. Yeah. Don't... Don't let me become Carol.
0: See, the thing is, I don't even need to have take a test to call myself stupid. That's just my general state of being.
1: <laughs> uh,
0: Lauren, tell them how right I am.
1: You're not. We're both gonna shit on you and tell you you're wrong and you're brilliant, so...
0: No, I'm saying, like, that that's my thing, is... is
1: Yes. Okay, Lizzie is very as as you may have heard on our show, Lizzie is very often rude to themselves and shouldn't be. Daniel, what you drinking?
2: Uh, Alcohol.
1: (laughs) What kind? uh,
2: It's uh, it's called ODB. Cool. Blacklist Brewing Company, Duluth, Minnesota.
1: One delicious one delicious beer.
2: Oh, bless you for where that's (laughs) your where. Where your brain goes when you hear the initials O T P? That's Big Mom energy, if I've ever heard it. Right there. Oh, old one dirty, ba- beer. Old That's dirty so bastard! Old dirty bastard! Isn't that special? <laughs> Lauren is church lady incarnate. <laughs> oh. See, I was gonna cut all that out, but now, but now it's too no. good. Now I have to leave
1: it in. We gotta keep it. I'm crying. <laughs> Isn't that special? <laughs> um, but then we get Carter examining his patient who is talking on his cell phone about horse racing. We find out he's on the phone with his bookie trying to make a bet before before he gets checked out. And he's sitting in bed with a cigarette hanging out of his mouth as he talks, which Carter promptly takes. It's unlit. And this man is adorable. And I love him dearly. And I wrote down his, ep- his name later in the episode. And I, of course, didn't put it here. Mr. Barkoff? Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Hold well on, Mr. Bartok. Yeah. yeah. So this is Mr. Bartok. He's been vomiting. Just doesn't feel great. Something's not right. So we're gonna we're gonna find out. This is gonna be Carter's crusade for the episode as yeah. Mr. Bartok.
0: Carter inching closer to his ER switcher to the ER switcheroo. Uh, that's coming at the end of the season. Spoiler. Um, but after that, Genie uh, gets some flowers from Al. And Al, stop it. Stop. Stop it. It's bad Stop. Al. She They initially just get dropped off, but Jeannie chases Al out into the ambulance bay and was like, I don't want to celebrate a marriage that was a disaster from beginning to end. And then throws Damn. the flowers away. Just, yikes.
2: Ugh.
1: Oof. Just, Al, stop. Stop doing this. Stop
2: Boundaries, it. my dude.
1: Jeannie has some good things coming her way if you leave her alone. Yeah, about that. And I just want to say, I really wish, like, as we got to this episode, I almost wish that we had not lucked out on getting um, Gloria Ruben. Ruben so early because like having this so fresh now at this point in the season I would have loved to have asked her more in depth her feelings on like how they chose to have her romance continue and like how because we know that she gets a happy ending overall but I would have loved her opinion on this Yeah, you know like let's just have her back
2: yeah, I'm, sh- I'm just, let's sure. Let's just she'll... have
1: everybody back. That's Friend fun. of the sure... show, Gloria Rubin. <laughs> I need to stop yeah. saying that about people. It's just <laughs> I'm sure. I'm
2: sure she'll make all the time in the world for us.
1: I'm uh... sure, especially now that things are opening back up.
0: Hey, Mr Hey, Mr. Robots oh. can't has been as
2: is off the air. She's fine. She's not doing anything. She's fine. She's fine. She's got all the time in the world to just hang out and talk to us.
1: I <laughs> wish she was uh... so nice. <laughs>
2: In any event, we go to our first trauma patient of the episode, Ida Blinder, a 55 year old patient with abdominal pain, screaming and wailing on the gurney as they're uh, working on her in the trauma room. And Lauren, do you have a, a film check for this? Oh, whose 2021 films are those? Film check?
1: We're going in strong. Whose films are those? Whose are those? Who's turning so, these rooms?
2: No one, apparently. Uh, we've we find out that she's had five operations, but they never quote never find anything. And Mark is under under the assumption that it may be porphyria, and that it's a good publishing case. So he's on the hunt for a good publishing case uh, per Antspaw's instructions. And shoves his, his head right attempt.
1: up his own ass for that. A little
2: bit, a little bit. Um. But
1: then we get a cop runs in carrying a woman who's bleeding like no one's business and they have to pump her stomach because she's foaming at the mouth, just all around not in a great situation. Um, And Mark is clearly ignoring Ida's pain for the porphyria diagnosis. Like, he's looking through this medical textbook going, like, oh, it could be this, it could be this, this is why it's this, this is really fascinating. And then we find out, unfortunately, no, she is a psych patient who enjoys surgery and has convinced five different surgeons to operate on her. (laughs) <laughs> so
0: long nope. times, uh, and then Benton Carl calls Carla and sh- leaves a message, trying to get you know sh- just generally trying to get a hold of her, um, you know, because obviously he got rebuffed in his illegal attempt <laughs> to gain information. So may as well just go straight to the source, like you should in the first place, Benton. Uh,
1: Communication, then, what I
0: know, but then right after that, uh, Carter approaches Benton about his gambler patient, and Carter. Wants to stick with him, and Benton actually agrees without a fight. Yeah, like, and he respects, doesn't... like, res- yeah, like it... show some respect and goodwill towards Carter. Like, like, oh no, yeah, you know what you're doing.
2: Go for it, Carter. Yeah, it's not an a, a dismissive agreement at all. Like, it's a hundred percent. Like, he he's like, hey, we got to go do this thing, and Carter's like, actually, I'd rather do this thing. And instead of being like, yeah, yeah, whatever, I have more important things to do about. Like, Benton actually is like, okay, whatever. Like, I trust you. It's it's so cool to see this like gradual climb in their uh their relationship here. I'm, I'm really enjoying Actually it. treating each other like colleagues. Yeah. It's good good shit. Uh but we go from there back to the Jane Doe. Uh, we find out that she OD'd on her AIDS medication along with some other things and Sterno, which damn girl, like you're trying to you're really trying to Messed shut it down. Up. Yeah. Uh, we find out her name is Suzanne Alner. Uh, and she is played by an actress named Gia Caritas, uh, who you may recognize from movies like My Big Fat Greek Wedding and Austin Powers To The Spy Who Shagged Me. Uh, as they're working on her here, Jeannie suggests that they call Greg Fisher for what to do about the AIDS medication and the residual effects there, what, how, to, how to treat this, because he's the expert. So we'll circle back. Suzanne is going to be kind of Jeannie's central patient for this episode, so we'll definitely see more of her a little bit later on.
1: Then we go back to our all-star D-plot of the episode. Jerry is on the phone talking real schmoozy to someone about his new car. And he's like, oh, of course I'll let you drive it. And, like, just talking up how fancy it is and everything. And while he's doing this, Carrie's Carrie's right next to him, answers the phone. And she says, Cryogen Lab is calling for a Dr. Markovich. Hmm. Looks at him like, (laughs) Jerry, what's up? And so he takes it, and she goes, "Isn't that a sperm bank?" And we find out that Jerry is selling his sperm by posing as a doctor. Says so his IQ is a hundred and fifty, and he's like, "What woman wouldn't want the sperm, the seed of a of a six foot five man with an IQ of a hundred and fifty or whatever?" And Carrie just goes, "Who took the test for you?" I and it's those. so good. I, I the two of them, I, them this episode are so good, like. This, they've let I, they've kind of let
2: Carrie be funny this season and I'm yeah. here for it. Like they've done this yeah. a couple times with her and I'm here for it. It's so good.
1: Yeah, like the um the study episode she did the other yeah. the one episode, yeah. So good. But yeah, the two of them this episode are wonderful.
0: And uh the suicide patient is awake and she says she killed her daughter when Jeannie asks where her daughter is, because she's asking for her daughter.
1: And because there <sighs> was like the pictures in the wallet.
2: Yeah, yeah. This is this is a, a just especially coming right out of the Jerry storyline to go right. But this is, this is a little bit of one of those tonal shift episodes. They 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 do a good job. I, I think they do a good enough job of rounding the edges on some of them, but uh, it is definitely. There, there's some shifts. There's some. It's,
1: shifts. it's stark contrast. Zigs and
2: zags in this one. But we go from there back to Carter with his gambling patient, as Lauren said, Mr. Bartok. Uh, he has a blockage in his small intestines and wants to call his daughter. He wants to make sure that she can get there because it's not looking good for Mr. Bartok at the moment. Uh, but we go out of there to Carol giving a pain shot, uh, and Doyle tells her that it needs to be an IV. Uh, but of course, that wasn't in the chart. So, like we said earlier, we're we're escalating the conflict here between uh, Doyle and Carol, uh, kind of out of nowhere.
1: And I want to note this patient looks a lot a lot like a discount David Cross. Yeah, uh,
2: but like a very specific discount David Cross, yes. like a, yes. a a Tobias Fünke, <laughs> yes, uh, <Yeah>. David Cross. <laughs> like he's the yep. stand-in for Tobias Fünke in the yep. development. Thank you. There are dozens of them.
1: Dozens. Dozens. <laughs>
2: This is the military man, right?
1: Yeah. Okay, yeah.
2: that's who I could not find anything about. Like I was desperate to find out more information about this guy. Nothing. Like I could not find anything about him.
0: He's also a really funny one. This episode, he's that good, I he's good. Yeah. Uh, but after that, uh, Dr. Pomerantz uh, from Psych comes down re- uh, to talk about to talk about uh, Ida Bl-
2: <sighs> Blender.
0: Yeah. It, I want to say my brain wants to say blender, but that blender. But I mean, I mean with that's the how Illinois, it's a- yeah,
1: with the mm-hmm. Illinois accent, you can get away with it. I
0: don't have an Illinois accent. You do. Yeah,
1: what? Do. Yeah, you just said Illinois. You do. What? You you just said Illinois with an e. You do. It, that's how you say it. No, it's Illinois. No, it's Illinois. No, it's Illinois. <laughs> Midwest here. You do. Since when? Always. It's not as pronounced as "irv," but you do have one. This is news to me. Say milk. Milk. Okay, milk's not as bad, but you definitely, you definitely. <laughs> Pillow. I'm weird. <laughs> You're not weird, but I'm just checking because these are the easy ones. Pillow. Eh, not. A- it's mild, but you do have one. I have my Michigan accent. Well, accent. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but but yes, you you have a mild. Illinois accent. Now I have really a so pr- conscious about I, it. no. I have a pronounced Michigan accent. How is, it's it's Illinois. Illinois. It's Illinois. Yeah, Ill, that's what I said. Ill. It's
0: Illinois. That's what I said.
1: Anyway, <laughs> Ida.
0: Anyway, um, so after that, uh, Nina Pomerantz, our everyone's favorite psychiatry person. God, I'm glad we have her instead of Doctor Doctor Dickhead.
2: Yep. Yeah. Just good. good the first good time swap. I thought of him. Yeah, first time off. I thought
0: of him in a while. Um everyone go watch Twister. And
1: Oh, cause she's in that. I thought yeah. I was thinking um Dr. Dickhead for a minute no. and I was like, who did he play in Twister? He no, was she's the
2: Twister. In... Yeah.
1: <laughs> of emotional distress.
0: <laughs> He's specifically the one wa- the, the water spout that splits into two things.
1: Men be- would wait, wait, wait. Men would rather become a twister than go to therapy. Jesus, Christ. Especially white. He's men. The one just We'd rather become cows. a natural disaster. <laughs> 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 oh, we're never gonna get through this episode, guys. We really aren't.
0: Um, but she's coming down for uh, Ida. Bl- I, I still want my brain wants to say blender like a. That's know, like how a they pronounce blender. it. Blender, so that's fine. <laughs>
1: yeah, that is how they pronounce it. Okay.
2: Uh, the blender lady. On the show has a Illinois accent.
0: Shut the fuck up. <laughs> it's Illinois. I'm telling you, folks. I'm telling you. Okay. Like and subscribe if you agree with me. That's Illinois. <laughs> Not Il- Illinois just sounds weird. Okay. No. Um, License
2: to Illinois.
0: Ah. <laughs> <sighs> This is the first time like, it, like we said earlier. This is the first time we've recorded in 3 weeks, so we're all a little goovy. <laughs> <laughs> all right, what's Ida doing?
2: What's what's Miss Blinder?
0: Doing? Uh, she is uh, eating things. Eating things she shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> She's eating things. That's uh. she is. She ate all the tools of the uh, she ate all the surgical tools that were placed next to her bed.
1: Oh uh. Oh God,
0: that's... Lady Lady has some issues. How
1: do you swallow those scissors? Or the like the yeah. forceps or whatever? Well, that's that's like, why when when they showed that I was like, How'd she do that? That's what I, I was mean, more the, impressed the, the with. The
0: scissors I mean the scissors I could almost I could almost understand depending on like I can almost like if you swallow them backwards, that might be a Because then they I would mean, stay together so... as they're as they're going down your throat. So like handle oh, down. I, so like ha- no. handle down. No, because handle yeah. down
2: they would open, wouldn't they? So like they, as they're coming
0: down. No, because because your throat would be make, squeezing them shut. Yeah, it would be squeezing, uh, I guess. squeezing them uh, shut I as they go down. I've never and contemplated swallowing all... scissors before. Well, now exactly. we are.
1: <laughs> and also, you're not having the sharp point go directly down either. Why are yes. we
0: spending so much time on swallowing? I don't scissors? know. Anyway, what happens next after that? She, she ladies, lady is not well. But why
1: is she eating them?
0: Uh, because that's. I almost said that's her fetish, but like that's not exactly. (laughs) That's That's her specific. Like she's addicted. She's addicted to surgery. That's her. That's her compulsion. Yeah, that's that's my weird addiction. TLC, this lady edition is she's addicted to surgery.
1: So to force the issue, she eats lab tools. So they have to perform it to extract.
0: Yeah. If if doctors won't operate ours, she forces the issue. Jesus
1: Christ, that was 10 minutes. All right. Oh, boy. Then Benton asks to see the ultrasound tape for Carla Reese from the lab techs in OB because Coburn isn't around. And he takes it saying like, yeah, she's my patient. It's fine. Bye.
0: See, we can't say that this is a white person facing no consequences because obviously it's Benton we're talking about here. So this is just a man not facing consequences.
2: Yeah, but if you follow the flowchart, it goes from white male to male, and then on down. Like it, it yeah. that's the next step down. If you follow the flowchart, yep.
1: Greg comes in to check on Suzanne, and um, we learn what happened with the daughter was that the daughter contracted AIDS from Suzanne and passed away from AIDS-related pneumonia like two months before.
0: Oof. Um, then we go up to the surgical floor with our next audio clip. Uh, Anspa is reviewing Carter's. Uh... Gambler patient.
3: The celiac is shot. Mm hmm. What well, counts 18,000? Mm hmm. Correct. Is it two MIs, peripheral vascular disease, CO2 fever 102, BPs down to 90? Yeah, that's why I called you. I thought we should get him up to the UR right away. He's going into shock. We open him up. He won't get off the table. Turf him to ICU.
1: Wait, 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 wait.
3: You're not going to take him. He's septic, and he's grossly unstable. Yeah, but he's septic because he's infarcting his belly. He's not going to get any better in the ICU. Probably not, but it's his only shot. Well, come on, don't you think he's got a better shot if he has the operation? <sighs> Carter, there's nothing we can do for this man. We operate, all we get a mortality statistic. I'm a surgeon, not an executioner. Hmm. Let's go, Doc. I'm dying here. Uh, Mr. Bartok, Dr. Ansbach feels that you won't survive this surgery. What's that mean? Well, it means that we're gonna move you. We're gonna move you up to the ICU, the intensive care unit. I don't understand. You said if I don't get the surgery right
2: right away, I'm through. That's true. So? What? Are you writing me off? Are you are just gonna send me someplace to die like some animal? I'm sorry. I'm sorry? What the hell is that? You told me I was gonna get the best care in the city, for God's sakes.
3: Should I call Transpo to come get him? You gave me your word. <laughs> no, keep him here. Give him dopamine, uh, 10 micrograms per minute. Come here, ben. Uh, yeah, I'll be right back.
1: Uh, Carter, baby.
0: Carter the Crusader. The actual, the good crusader. When we say crusader, it's not like Doug being Mr. White Knight with all the bullshit, you know, that he does. This is actually like Carter. Advocating. Yeah, this is Cardver, Carter. Cardver, Carter. Carter.
2: <laughs> this is best boy, Carter.
0: Yeah, this is, this is, yeah. We're okay with this.
1: This is going to be fighting in Africa in a few seasons, in a in a long time, Carter. Like, this, will, this is a peak at grown-up Carter here.
2: So we go from there. Uh, Doyle is working on getting a blood gas on Tobias and keeps failing. And Carol goes to Weaver to plead her case, says that nurses should be able to help with this kind of stuff. This is again yeah. kind of es- escalating that conflict between the two.
0: And honestly, I really regret not getting audio. Uh, I yep.
1: Yeah. Him screaming in the background. Holy smokes. <laughs> Enchilada.
2: It's it very good audio. Uh, We go quickly from there over to Carter taking uh, Mr. Bartok's case to Dr. Hicks, doing a little end around. Daddy didn't give him the answer he liked, so he's going to Mama. Mama Hicks. Uh, And uh, Mama Hicks goes for it uh, because Carter leaves out a crucial detail that Anspa has already evaluated this patient. But nevertheless, Uh, Carter takes off Mr. Bartok's lucky hat as they go into surgery, which at first I was like, oh, is this a signal that Mr. Bartok's going to die and then I was like, "No, idiot! It's just not sterile." Like that was, my, like, <laughs> I had to like correct I, myself. Like
1: I did the same thing because earlier in the episode, he's like, "Oh, it's my lucky hat. I never take it off once a bed is placed until the race is done." And I was like, "Oh, he's gonna die because they made a note of showing the hat removed." Right? They do.
0: They, they do sort of on him and, and they linger on and
2: stuff. They linger on the hat, so they make you think that that's what's gonna happen. But uh, in any event. We go to Mark's uh, back to Mark's patient, and he's planning on publishing Ida swallowing her medical instruments, uh, but uh, that he can extract everything without surgery. So Ida is not going to get her wish uh, for a sixth surgery. Mark's going to be able to get everything out with a scope.
0: And uh, Suzanne wakes up and can't see anything because of the side effect of the methanol that she took. Oops.
1: Oh, oh my god! Don't know what to say about that one. <laughs> that's just that's just a fact that's going to come into play here shortly, so we need to make note of it. Yeah. Um, we then have Jerry taking his IQ test with Carrie watching, <laughs> and he as as Doug walks by, he goes, Psst, "What's the?" And Doug like looks over, and Carrie's like, "It's a test, not a survey." And Doug walks past, just chuckling as Jerry's struggling with it. Um, and then as Doug walks past, he gets a. a teenage girl with a gallstone attack comes in and she's coming from a pre-prom party and that whole outfit the the pale yellow dress (laughs) the heavy lip liner it all screams early aughts because I swear my older sister wore like this exact same look to her prom it just it just screams it and that would have been 2004 so like
2: just a few years ahead of the curve
1: but but like it's it's a look. Um, and this, this girl's name is Betsy, and her beau is Jeffrey, who insisted she come in. And she just wants antibiotics. Doug is not hearing it, but we'll get to that.
2: Betsy had a pretty unremarkable uh, filmography. I didn't really grab hers. But Jeffrey, um, who also was a little bit kind of unremarkable, but he was more remarkable than Betsy's. Um, Jeffrey's played by an actor named Blaine Weaver, whose most famous credit is that he is the voice of Peter Pan in all of the Disney games. So if you play those Disney games and you see come across Peter Pan, that is young Jeffrey here.
0: And uh, Mr. Ulner, Suzanne's ex, ex-husband, uh, has arrived and uh, he says, she cheated on me, got herself infected with AIDS, gave it to our baby. I've been waiting for this for a long time, so he's glad she's dying. Mm. Yikes, man. Yeah.
1: That delivery too is just yeah. The way, ice cold. Yeah, I can't do it justice. No, it's, there's there's no point trying.
2: It, it's pretty rough, uh, pretty cold. Uh, Mr. Alner here is played by actor Joseph Culp, whose uh, most famous appearances are well, really most famous appearance, and then he, and then he has a, a curious uh, a curiosity in his filmography. His most famous appearance is in Mad Men, another Mad Men connection, uh, as Archie Draper. So this is Don Draper's alcoholic dad. Oh. Yeah.
1: Oh. Oh, so he is. I very, would not have placed that.
2: Very different haircut, very different uh just overall look here. It was I did not I did not smoke him out from watching. It was only when I looked it up after the fact. Uh but his also uh, his curiosity is that he played Doctor Doom in the 1994 Roger Corman version of the Fantastic Four, which is kind of infamous for being terrible. Uh even amongst Fantastic Four movies, which are usually terrible, um, it was made basically it was made basically with without the intention of ever being released. It was made just so that the studio could uh continue to uh retain the rights to the property. So they made this very low budget version of the uh Fantastic Four in 1984, and I believe it surfaced on YouTube a few years ago and it kinda had a little a minor resurgence through that and he was playing Doctor Doom in that movie. So uh Oh, but contractually
0: we, actually, obligated movies are a hell of a thing.
2: They sure are. Uh, as we go from there back to Mr. Bartok's surgery, we find out he's got gangrene of the small bowel. And as oh. they're right, re- yeah, sounds just delightful. As they're working on him, Anspaw shows up full of piss and vinegar and yells at them for proceeding because he had already determined Mr. Bartok to be a surgery risk. And, uh, gives up the game for Carter here that he did did a little end around, went around Antspawn to Hicks. Hicks obviously was not aware and says he wants to meet Carter at 5pm and that Carter better come correct, better come to apologize.
1: Also, the way they all react when they cut him open makes me think that there must have just been like a stench. Oh
2: well, yeah, gangrene is
1: literally like, rotting flesh. I'm just saying, and like they all like,
2: ugh. Especially gangrene <laughs> of the small intestine, like I can't imagine that that is, uh... That can't be a pleasant
1: smell. No, it's just... When the surgeons have a visceral reaction to what they're cutting on, (laughs) right? it can't be great. No. Uh,
2: We go from there back down to Ida. Uh, Mark is telling her how invasive the endoscopy is going to be to try to persuade her into letting them extract the items uh, without surgery. And of course, this kind of piques her interest because he's like, it's very unpleasant and you'll be awake the whole time. And it'll be one... like So he's... He's doing a good job here of kind of trying to meet her where she's at and game the system a little bit. So uh, we'll touch back on Ida a little bit later.
0: Uh, but then after that, uh, Benton is committing more ethics violations as he brings the ultrasound. <laughs> he is. I know. You laughed, but he Add is. Add to the pile. Yeah. Um, brings the ultrasound tape to another doctor in the hospital who you know, specializes in these kinds of things. And it uh, turns out she has just gest- she Carla has gestational. Yeah, Car- that's a mouthful. Car- uh, Carla, I almost said Carter. <laughs> Carla has gestational diabetes, and the doctor asks how she's managing the diabetes. And Peter's like, uh, I don't know. You know? Like, and basically just gets really shifty eyed. And then uh, the doctor calls Peter out for tricking him into giving him medical advice for something that's confidential. Like, he's like, I don't, I don't know what's going on, but I
2: feel like I'm doing something that I shouldn't. So, so
1: bye. And I don't appreciate you like getting me involved in this. Yeah.
2: And, uh, the doctor here, Dr. Tabash is, or Tabish. I'm not exactly sure how you pronounce the character's name, but, um, he is played by actor Ted Rooney, who's making his first of six appearances as Dr. Tabish. Uh, he appeared in series like Gilmore Girls, uh, Community, and Boardwalk Empire, among a bunch of other things. This is a very much an oh hey, it's that guy. You see him in a ton of different things.
0: He's uh, the neighbor, the the Gilmore's neighbor, the husband.
1: Right? I I believe I believe that that's who he's playing. Yeah, hold on. Okay, I, it's gonna bug me now. We can keep talking, but now I need to. Lauren look is cause... our
0: resident Gilmore Girls.
1: When Jake's expert. not here, I have to be the stand-in Gilmore Girls expert. It's true. She's going to scream at me for not knowing this. Yeah. 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 He's great. I like his character. Um, But then Doug tells Betsy, prom girl, that she needs surgery and cannot go to prom. And he finds out that their prom is at the Drake, which holy shit, what high school are you going to that your school can afford the Drake for prom? Like, am I right that that would be insane, Lizzie?
0: I mean, mine went to the Museum of Science and Industry, which I feel like is a bigger deal.
1: No, the Drake's, like, one of the most prestigious hotels in Chicago. Theoretically. I'm assuming
0: that they have a space for something like this. I don't know. I've never been to the Drake. I'm poor. Whatever.
1: <laughs> oh, Jesus. Okay, so whatever. I am so sorry, Daniel. Um, But then, so Doug is, as always, like he does with his problem patients, negotiating on when she has to be back for surgery. So they're going back and forth with a cute little curfew argument, and it's, it's precious, whatever. Um, and then Mark goes to pick Rachel up from school, and that teacher has just such a 90s teacher look, like, with the vest and the short hair and just and just all of it. She reminds me of a Billy Madison's kindergarten teacher. Just the look. Um, and it turns out that Rachel has... Well, the teacher asks, like, oh, is there anything special we need to do with Rachel's condition? And Mark's like, what? <laughs> she goes, yeah, she told her classmates that she has leukemia. Uh, what? <laughs> so... Yeah, so there's some behavioral stuff going on because Rachel got in a fight with one of the popular girls, and now it's a whole thing. But we'll touch base on that when Mark and Rachel have their heart-to-heart of the episode a little bit later.
2: Then we go from there. We get an old man being brought in, collapsed playing cards with his friends, suffering from congestive heart failure. Uh, Doyle wants to do a central line and is having a little bit of trouble with it, and Carol is not giving her any leeway at all, like says to Paige Weaver right off the bat, wants to get surgical help uh, to put in the line, and uh, Doyle insists on doing it alone. So these two have just been, like, at each other's throats this whole episode, and it's... Uh, yeah, yeah. I don't know how earned it feels. Like I said, we've, they've it doesn't. Much, they've been yeah. separated for quite a while here and we feel like we're just picking up on this for no reason. But
1: They've been completely leaving this alone and with how well everybody's been getting along like with Jeannie and with the nurses and with the interns. I feel like they've kind of stepped away from this hierarchy bullshit that they were pulling earlier in the season.
2: Uh, it feels like they're doing it just to serve Carol's current storyline at the expense mm-hmm. of Doyle. Like we're gonna we're gonna backslide Doyle just a little bit just to kind of further Carol's sort of identity crisis, nurse versus doctor, and it's, I don't know, I don't know if it works.
0: And in what we can only describe as a gross misappropriation of, of, you know, of dwindling hospital resources, uh, Doug hooks, uh, Betsy up with an IV bag with antibiotics and gives her a, and lets an ambulance take her to the prom so she can be back there at ten thirty and presumably the ambulance waits there, right? Treats it like, Uber. that was my guess. Yeah. Like that can't be. There's no way anyone signed off on that.
1: Of course not. It's Doug, but it's so cute and so nice that they get to go to their prom.
0: Like no, bro, have your surgery, bro. Don't die.
1: <laughs> she's she's eighteen. Whatever.
0: No, I don't think she, is she. She said like she's she, she oh.
1: I think she said like yeah. You can't hold me. I'm eighteen. Okay so I then. I think it's her senior prom.
0: Well, uh, but then we go up to uh, Carter and Anspa's office, so let's listen to that. Close the door.
3: I have never seen as devious, underhanded, and ultimately self-destructive a maneuver as you pulled today.
1: What the hell were you thinking?
3: I thought the patient deserved a chance, and I had reservations about Dr. Anspa's assessment that the patient was unstable for surgery. I know that if I was the patient, I would have liked a second opinion.
1: You led me to believe that mine was the only opinion. If I'd known otherwise, it's unlikely I would have proceeded. Certainly not without consulting Dr. Anspar first.
3: Before Dr. Hicks and I decide whether or not to terminate your residency, is there anything you'd like to say? Yes. I apologize. For not being more forceful in making my case to you when I spoke to you. And I apologize to you, Dr. Hicks, for not telling you about Dr. Anspaugh's assessment. But I still believe that we owed this patient a chance at saving his life. I'm glad we gave it to him. Anything else? I have a question. What? Did Mr. Bartok survive the surgery?
2: Yes, he did. Several things about this. Uh, number one, based on, I think, last episode... Or one or two episodes ago, um, Carter is has a history like at least na- by now he has he's he's already like challenged Anspau's you know diagnostic authority in the past and has gotten away with it and it's when he's proven to be right Anspa has been proven to be receptive to you know challenges to his diagnostic skills so why didn't he just go back to Anspa and do this again? Like, why did he feel the need to do... Because that, that is the thing that gets him in trouble here is the little end-around he, maneuver he does. So why didn't he just feel compelled to go directly to the source and go back to Antspaugh? Like, I, I, I feel like we created conflict out of nothing here.
1: Maybe he thinks Antspaugh is too busy and doesn't want to have the time for a second opinion. Yeah,
0: maybe he got stonewalled so hard that first time.
2: Possibly.
1: And he doesn't think he has the right to, you know second third guess directly
2: yeah uh, and then on a much sillier note uh, taking it all the way back to season one uh, I can't tell in this scene because Carter's wearing a lab coat that's covering things up but he is definitely not wearing a belt uh, but we and, know
1: Carter's a suspenders boy
2: and we do he has a history with suspenders but like I said because of the lab coat I can't tell if he's wearing suspenders or not so there's a possibility that we might have a beltless motherfucker here I'm not sure
1: I'm, I'm gonna guess it's an old man suspenders role
2: Just saying, you know, I got to call it when I see it.
1: Um, So then labs are back for the old man that had collapsed playing cards with his friends, and he's in renal failure as well in case the other stuff wasn't enough. Um, Carol calls Doyle out on her course of action because of contraindications between what Doyle wants to do and the renal failure. And Doug comes in and sides with Doyle and says that it's more important that they get his heart booted back up before they worry about his kidneys. So Carol is not happy with that at all
2: then we go from there back to suzanne who is just completely delirious she greg is in there uh consulting he says it looks like she's an impending respiratory failure and she's she still thinks that roger her ex-husband is there and she's trying to you know beg for forgiveness and everything like that and she thinks that greg is roger you know, because remember earlier with the, we established that she's blind because of the effects of some of the drugs that she had overdosed on. And so, you know, Jeannie is like, dude, she doesn't know where she is. She doesn't like she's not comprehending any of this. Just take her hand. And when she asks for forgiveness, just say that you forgive her. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, there's and, no
1: hurt in doing it.
2: Right. And, you know, Greg, you can tell is is visibly uncomfortable with this like he is not prepared to handle this emotionally uh and so he begs off completely uh and this is pretty much the moment where he loses genie here uh it's it's pretty rough
1: you see her ice over
2: yeah you can see like you can see her putting herself on that gurney like in a similar type situation and and him not being able to provide the kind of emotional comfort it's it's tough,
0: and you know, you know what else is tough. Jerry only getting a fifteen percent on his IQ test. Why and didn't we, didn't?
2: Why do they stack them this way? Why do they stack? These I don't total know. Shifts I don't
0: know. <laughs> but Carrie's gonna rat him out.
1: And didn't Carrie say like that the the average that you could be expected to get just by randomly guessing is twenty percent? So you yeah. have to like actively work to get a lower score. <laughs>
0: He's really just trying to hide his genius.
1: But, of course. um, Because Jerry is a man of mystery. Hey. Coming in a few seasons. I know. That's what I was alluding to without saying it. Um, I still don't believe you two.
0: It's going to be like a two two and a half hour long episode with an hour and a half of it. Just Daniel (laughs) just ranting about this. Daniel just freeze
1: framing. Uh, Um, But then Mark gets back to the hospital and we find out that Carrie scoped Ida's stomach and offers to co-author a paper with him on it.
0: Uh,
2: that ugh, um, that title she gives is God, it's <clears throat> so fucking terrible. The woman who ate the ER. Like I yep. I wanted to strangle her.
1: And then Haley in the background, she's a little bit out of focus, but her watching this is just priceless. And it it made the scene for me it was her just like, oh shit. Um And then Doyle confronts Carol and says, in the, like, prescription closet, and says, don't ever disregard my orders like you did in that trauma. I'm the doctor. You're the nurse. Remember that. So, great. Cool. Good job, everybody. Everybody's having a great day.
0: Uh, And then uh, Mark Mark is back. Yeah, obviously Mark is back. Um, Then Mark takes Rachel to uh, do her homework uh, in the lounge, and Rachel throws a fit and says that, you know, Rightfully that Mark has been kind of brushing her aside. I say rightfully like we've had any other context of there besides this. So I guess maybe this is just some like latent like, oh, you were you're never around anyway.
1: You're always taking care of sick people. Yeah. I got to do my Rachel voice.
0: (laughs) No, it's not whiny enough. Um, I can't
1: I can't be that whiny. I can whine a lot for you, too, but it's never that much. It's true.
0: Uh, But. Keeps getting interrupted by Malik and Jerry when they're trying while they're the while the two of them are trying to have a heart to heart.
1: And yeah. then he
0: bails. Leaves her completely unsupervised. Leaves <laughs> leaves his less than ten year old child completely unsupervised in a middle of a in the in a not a very secure area of the the uh, so, He knows that the nurse is in the
1: desk. Staff I, know, or I know, I know,
2: I know. But I'm just saying though. Like hey, Don't don't criticize Father of the Year, Mark Green.
1: Jesus <laughs> like range. at least
2: leave her with Jerry at the desk or something not Jerry hey, God he did, no. he did that Malik. once once before and uh, she ended up looking at pictures of uh, was it like skills or, or something or no I think that was at least that's it at least that's educational. Oh boy so we we go from there into what is so when when this transition happened as I was watching the episode I literally said out loud as I was watching it oof bleak. Because they do this, like, <laughs> flat, top-down shot of the gurney, and you're looking directly at Suzanne's, like, dead mm-hmm. eyes before it becomes abundantly clear that Suzanne is dead. And that's what's happened. Like, her eyes are just open, and she's got the tube sticking out of her mouth. It's, it is a bleak scene, they set here. Uh, Jeannie is prepping the body, and Greg comes in. She says she doesn't want to go to the lake anymore with him. Pretty much, they are done. I did look. Um, this is not it for Greg. He will have one more appearance before the season is done. Uh, but this is pretty much it. Uh, their yeah. their relationship is is very much uh, on the on the rocks. Uh, and we did note that the actress playing um, Suzanne here does totally blink while she's ostensibly dead. But uh, you know, yep.
1: I. Screamed because it scared the hell out of me. Because, <laughs> like, we're having this really emotional moment, and I just happened to look over, and I saw just a very clear, Subtle. like, blink. And I was like, that's not supposed to happen, and it just spooked me out.
0: <sighs> then uh Carter goes to visit Mr. Bartok in, in recovery, and, you know, he's not going to be able to eat solid food again, but he can still drink and smoke, so he says, I'll be fine.
1: Precious boy.
0: Yeah, uh, and his daughter's flying in to see him, and
1: we just... What
0: an adorable old man. I loved his storyline this yeah, episode. Yeah,
1: He was really sweet. Un- I liked him.
2: Underrated.
1: Yes. Um, but then Jeannie comes out and sees that Jerry had put her flowers in a vase from earlier. And she's like, where'd you get those? And Jerry says, oh, they were just, they were outside in the trash. Somebody threw these away. Like, they're perfectly good flowers. So Jerry's going dumpster diving. um, And then we hear Malik in the background saying, yes, my name is Dr. So-and-so. And so, Jerry has Malik on his sperm hustle now, and Peter goes by to visit Carla at her place, and he's buzzing her apartment and buzzing her apartment, and she is ice cold over that buzzer, like, just, yep, Uh uh-huh, I got it, it's fine, um, and I want to note, while he's having this conversation with her and she's icing him out, a neighbor woman comes out of Carla's building, and Benton's like, oh, can you hold the door for me, and she just lets it shut, doesn't. Doesn't let him in, which good. Yeah. Don't good let random men into your building. Yeah,
0: don't let if you don't let strangers into your building that you don't know.
1: Yeah, don't do that. That's like number one rule of shared housing here in Chicago, especially. Don't don't do that. You don't know what they're there for. Stop that. Um and then Peter's about to give up and all of a sudden Carla runs down in her like nightgown and says that he could come by Saturday morning to help out around the house. And I just wanna know why didn't she just say that over the buzzer?
2: It's more dramatic
1: like, this way. I understand that, but still. Like, they were having a conversation. Why not just tell him there? He's standing at the buzzer already. You've just been talking to him. It's not like he's walked away. I got beef.
2: Good thing I'm a vegetarian.
1: Okay, 303.
2: (laughs) God. Fucking reference from 2009. Off the top rope. Like, who... Who asked Hey, we for talked this. about AOL Messenger today, so you know yeah, whatever. But, but AOL Messenger had oh, cultural heart. significance for a minute. Beat, so did that song.
1: That we don't speak of that. Lauren's singing it; she's not
2: speaking of it. Thank God there aren't yeah, copyright strikes on podcasts.
1: Good thing you're going to delete that whole little. No, no, you're no! Not. You are, you are. There's not much I make you delete out of this podcast, Daniel. But if you want to co-host ever again, if you only, are.
2: If only you did quality assurance checks. Well, I
1: might have to for this one.
2: (laughs) Anyway, uh,
1: listeners, hold on. If Daniel kept that in, you can delete this part, and I'm still fucked. But if Daniel kept that in, tell me, and I'll kill him.
0: Anyway, Carol is talking to uh, Doug about Doyle. So let's when the when the kids get back from their lovely evening out. So let's listen in. Hey,
3: hey, you know what I hate. Uh, Maggie Doyle?
1: No, I don't hate her. I just hate that she's right. About what? She's younger than me. You're
3: right. Yes, you're right. She's we younger grew up than in
1: the same neighborhood, and now she's a doctor. I'm a nurse. I gotta take orders from her all day long, and I hate it.
3: You're a very competitive person, you know
1: that? Well, I can't help it. Every time I look at her, I'm just reminded that she got through medical school. I can't even get through the door.
3: You can get through my door. Anything in a bra can get through your door. No, no, no. I've, I've reformed. Ask anyone. It's different. Alright kids, right on time uh, She wanted to stay for the best dressed contest But I said no bets Your surgery's more important You're a good man, Jeff
1: Thank you, Dr. Ross This was the best night of my life
0: Me too <laughs> And then they make out
1: Ugh. In front of Doug Yeah. Hey, you
0: have, you have the, the beautiful prom, prom date You get a smooch at the end If you like each other still
2: this is a I I will say this is a very cute like B C plot line for Doug like mm-hmm. th- this is a good use of Doug I think for this episode like if you're not going to give him something main main storyline level to do this is this is fine yeah uh but we go from there uh you know as as we heard Betsy has come back for her surgery fulfilling Doug's White Knight wishes uh we see Mark taking Rachel home for the evening. And just as he's getting ready to leave, Halle comes in and offers Mark a great case that would be great for him to publish, but he passes up on it to get Rachel home. Cause he has chosen to be a better daddy. Dad um, of the year, for 1997 th- for three minutes, <laughs> right? For now. Uh, but we go quickly from there to Hicks coming to tell Carter that he is on probation and you know, he's thanks her. And she's like, Oh no, don't thank me. Ansible wanted is the one that wanted to keep you. I wanted to kick you out. And Quote, John Carter is not a law unto himself. Get him, CCH Pounder.
0: Uh, I'm going to miss her. I, I know we say this every time she's on screen, but God, I'm going to miss her I so know. much. She's going to leave a I void. Too.
1: Yeah.
0: Isn't a Romano... Is a Romano that fills that particular void? I can't keep cap- track of like That like whole role?
2: hierarchy gets very muddy. Like, yeah. it's... Ve- couldn't even begin to say. Because obviously I
0: know... obviously i know elizabeth comes in next season and fills in
2: the carter role to a certain extent Mm -hmm. but in surgery at least yeah we're definitely i would say we're as we get closer to the end of season three here we're definitely um hitting the point where the show has been on long enough now that enough people have left and enough new people have come in that we're starting to lose those original threads of continuity like of this person does this job, and this person then graduates to do this job, and then like we, we we're starting to lose those initial threads, and it's getting to the point now where they're just gonna start making shit up, and they're just gonna be like, okay, this person does this, and don't fucking question it, okay? Like, get off our back. <laughs> this Leave person, it alone. This person is here now. Don't ask questions. This
0: is a primetime network medical drama. You know, it's not exactly the highest standards of writing. So. <laughs> uh, but then we're gonna round out this this. I'll share my opinion of it episode after this um the G knocking at a door. And no, it's Al's door. Let's God listen damn it. in.
3: Hi. Hi. Can I come in? Sure. Come in. I was just finishing dinner. You hungry? No, thanks. So uh, you haven't been here. What do you think?
2: Well, uh, honestly, I'm glad I got the house.
3: Look, I'm sorry about this morning. No, you did a nice thing. I was rude. I'm the one who should apologize. It's okay. You don't really think that our marriage was a disaster from start to finish, do you?
1: We had a good beginning.
3: The middle wasn't bad.
1: yeah, you're right. We had a pretty good middle.
3: <laughs> the end was my fault. and you know, when I think about it i I don't blame you for hating me. I don't hate you. I don't want to be angry anymore. I don't want to be that kind of person. I never meant to hurt you. (sighs) Hey. Hey, come on. Uh, No tears, okay? Because I'll start
2: going.
0: I've missed you.
2: I don't know what's worse. The fact that she has felt compelled to return to Al's unfaithful arms here or the chewing noises at the beginning of this take uh, where Michael Beach chews that food for entirely too long. Like well after the lines have begun to be spoken, he's still ASMR chewing on whatever sad single man dinner he's finishing.
1: I think it's just the potato chips. It's not
0: the main course and it's just the potato chips either way. But
2: this sucks, genie
1: My girl deserved better. Yeah,
2: she gave up Obama for Al Boulay. Come on now, God. Come on now.
0: No offense to Michael Beach, but his character. Yeah, is... Michael Beach is fine. It's Al Boulay. I have an issue. Yeah, with. <laughs> yeah.
2: Just, mm. just
0: that's all we have. That's all I can. That's all I can muster is just, mm, girl, you deserve better.
1: Does yeah, it, it... I. I audibly groaned when she knocked on that door. I was like I knew it was coming, but I was still so mad. It does it does
2: drive home like like it puts a fine period on the tragic nature of the art of the arc that she has had this season. Like as we start to, you know, we're we're heading into the end game of season 3 now, like th- this definitely starts to put kind of a tragic period on the end of the sentence that has been season three for her like she starts out with so much despair and then slowly throughout the course of the season finds her voice and then eventually finds her confidence to you know get back out there and everything and now it's almost like we're starting back where we were where she's like she's returning to this familiar place because things got too scary out in the real world and it's just it sucks so hard because this is a character who deserves so much better. And barring a few exceptions really never gets much better. Like never gets much better. Things happen to her. A lot of bad shit happens to Jeannie and it sucks because she deserves so much better. Agreed. Even after she leaves the show, her character. Yeah. It, Agreed. Yeah. It, even in her return, she doesn't get good things happen to her. It sucks.
0: Yeah, exactly. Uh so, I think this is a 6 out of 10 episode.
1: I think that's a fair ranking.
0: Yeah, I think it's late, mid-to-late season filler, redeemed only by Carter's storyline and the cuteness, and some of the cuteness yeah. surrounding things. I think the whole suicide storyline feels grossly out of place in this one, even though it does obviously advance the, the overall plot for Genie. In terms of her relationship with Greg coming into an end, RIP.
1: I think they just don't let it breathe the right way. Yeah,
0: like- I feel like if it would have been done in a different, in a different, with different surrounding material, it would have been fine. But it just feels—it's—it's it's a problem I've had with a lot of episodes this of this series. Now that we're going back and looking with a super critical eye of it, it's some things—the pacing is just jarring. The to- yeah, the it.
2: tonal shifts in this one are definitely all over the place, and that it, it's not one of those ones that has a strong enough central plot thread or or strong enough uh, comedic work to buoy it on either side. Like you, you are sort yeah. of you are sort of left shaking your head at the end of this episode, like what the fuck did I just watch with some of this stuff? Because like yeah. The, yeah. the Jerry stuff is great; it's really good stuff. Don't get me wrong, but it's not strong enough to carry an episode. And right. the genie stuff is good sometimes great but like Lauren said doesn't have enough room to breathe in order to be the central focus of the episode you have this whole Carol and Doyle thing that is shoehorned in there that feels unearned and really just kind of takes up space Um, and then you have Carter doing good work in his storyline that Again, takes up a lot of space and is good stuff, but it just it, neither one, neither Carter's thing nor Jeannie's thing, is strong enough to carry the weight of the whole episode. And so you're left with a lot of just like solid pieces. Like there's no one storyline in here I feel like that is um, bad necessarily, but none of them are just strong enough to really bring that whole episode up to above what Lizzie was saying. That's like six out of 10, I feel like is a very fair assessment of it. Yeah. But. But it does. That's why we it, it were. Sets goop, us up for that's the why
0: we were goofy game. and we were
2: singing. So. <laughs> it sets us up for the end game of season three because we're getting there. We only, that's true. We have like I think the next one is is a pretty significant one. Uh, ni- mm-hmm. 19, yep, uh, it sure. Nineteen is. is a significant one. I'm I think twenty, if I'm remembering correctly, is a significant. So like we're, we're I think this is probably yeah. our. This is probably I'm gonna go out on a limb here and say this is the end of the filler for season three. Like everything from Good. here, everything from here should be all killer no filler through the end of the season. Uh, because we've got some very important things coming up, including next episode we introduce a brand new semi-long term character. So I say I say semi-long term. She's only around for maybe a season in total, but uh, but still <laughs> she's around. She's significant. So we will get to her next week. I'm trying
0: to think who I don't actually remember who the hell this is. So I'm I'm what's, intrigued to do our notes. Be surprised. Our notes in the next few days. Um, but anything else, kids? Nope. nope. Well, that's going to wrap up our episode for today. Uh, thank you very much for listening. The show is brought to you in part by our patrons over at patreon.com slash the tone podcast. For only a dollar a month, you can get access to our show notes each week. For only $5 a month, you can get access to the full season recap episodes, a free sticker featuring our favorite desk clerk, Jerry, and two week early access to all of our cast and crew interviews. Also, once our stretch goals are met, you'll get access to a monthly bonus show called The Lounge, where we'll watch, where we'll talk about whatever's going on for us in our lives, politics, and pop culture in the moment, politics. As well as uh, monthly movie commentaries, where we watch and talk about a movie featuring an ER cast member. We would also appreciate it if you would follow us on our social media accounts. We are at Set the Tone ER on Twitter. We are on Facebook at Facebook.com dot slash the Tone Podcast. We are at Set the Tone Podcast on Instagram. And you can also join us on Facebook as part of the official Set the Tone community. Just search for that, and one should pop right up right up for you. Our theme music, as always, is provided to us by Andrew Edwards of Blue Police
2: Box Music. And Danny, where can folks find you at? They can find me on Instagram at dan.u, that is y O u.e e-l. They can also find me on my other podcast, The Popular Court, with my co-host Jake Terrell, where we
1: do a different pop culture topic each episode and put it through a little mock trial. And Lauren, where can folks find you at? Uh, folks can find me on my Twitter, and I already forgot which one. How do I not know my own Twitter by this point? Jesus Christ.
2: Lobob 92345.
1: This is what happens when I use two different variations of the same screen name. Um, Yes, at my Twitter that they have both announced for you, Lobob92345, and also a reminder to please like and review us, rate and review us on iTunes, and note that if you want, we also have an STT logo sticker available if if Team Jerry is not your flavor. Yeah.
0: Uh, and you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Random Gamer. That's G A M three R, as well as on the Popular Court's YouTube channel, doing a Let's Play of the Spider-Man 2018 DLC, The City That Never Sleeps. Uh, new episodes of that are going to be out every Friday. And you can find those videos and more at YouTube.com/slash The Popular Court. And thanks again, everyone, very much for listening. Please join us again next time, and have a great week.